0: Love, talk, radio.
1: Good evening and thank you for being with us tonight. You're listening to What is Art? Presented by Contemporary Art Gallery Online. Contemporary Art Gallery Online represents tomorrow's art giants today. You can visit us at contemporaryartgalleryonline.com and there you can view and purchase great works of contemporary art Check out our monthly art competitions and our blog as well. I am your co-host, Mike Harris, and the other co-host is Sharon Hawkshaw. Hello. And tonight uh, on our show, we will be discussing the artwork of Pablo Picasso uh, on the anniversary of his birth. He was born October 25th in 1881. So, Sharon, let's start it off. Uh, What are your thoughts?
0: About Pablo Picasso Well arguably uh, He's definitely probably the, one of the most Important artists of all times Period uh, Most definitely the most famous artist Of all times I mean in his lifetime he had more Followers and purchasers Of his art Than any artist uh, prior to him And really any artist After him I mean we've had some very successful living artists but none of them compare to the importance and significance and really just overall just the mass appeal and sell of artwork than than Picasso. So, I mean, I guess it's important to, I guess, understand who Picasso is because everybody knows his name, but do they know who Picasso is? Uh, You know, so, you know, Picasso was uh, a Spanish painter and a sculptor, and and he's best known for co-founding the Cubist movement and for the wide variety of styles embodied in his work. Uh, Picasso demonstrated from a very young age an uncanny artistic talent. Uh, His first true image he did at the age of nine. And like most articulate, highly intelligent, creative people, he was absolutely horrible in school and spent most of his time in a detention. And he has been quoted as saying that those were his best times in school because the detention <laughs> was like a little cave cell that had this you know, gigantic, huge white wall, no windows, and a bench that you just sat on and stared at the white wall. Well, he would sneak a pencil and paper with him into this room where he was banished when, you know, they put him out of class, and he would just sketch down there all day long if they let him. So he would, Pablo's dog, he was trained that if he wanted to sketch and paint, just get in trouble, and they'd send him down there to the little cave, and there he would sit for the rest of the day. Quite content. <laughs> Quite content. So... Uh, uh, so, you know, that's you know just a small uh, snippet of his background. I mean, basically, finally, he just dropped out of school or they kicked him out. You know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> did they kick him out or did he quit? You can't kick me out, I quit. Uh, but his parents recognized that truly there was an artistic genius there. And if you look at the work that he did at age 9 and 10, you would not think that that was a 9-year-old painting. I mean, there truly was a talent there. So his parents realized that he had this amazing artistic talent, and going to a traditional school was just not going to do any good. So they proceed to send him off to a very prestigious art school, in its day and time, in Madrid, where you know he can study with the best of the best and hone you know his god-given talent, his gift. And he was very excited to do this because, I mean, he's going out on his own. He's venturing from the small, his town of Malaga, and he's going to Madrid, big city, big town. He gets there. He's loving life. He's doing what he wants to do, learning, you know, he's creating every day and doing everything that he wants to do. But there's just one problem. And the problem is school. He still doesn't like school. (laughs) So he ends up dropping out, you know, and just really, like most artists, you know, experiencing life and creating it or recreating it, you know, on canvas, on paper, in clay, stone, whatever materials it is that you use, and proceeded to be one of the most prolific artists of all time. So that's, you know, just a little snippet of who he was. Interesting enough, I mean, people, you know, they think of uh, Picasso not only as just being a great genius in terms of uh, being an artistic giant, but, I mean, he really was quite the little ass.
1: <laughs> for lack of a better word.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I was really searching for a nice word, <laughs> and that's about as good as it gets. And in, in, in the way he treated women. I mean, he cheated on every girlfriend and every wife he ever had. Uh, he mistreated them. He did not respect them in any, you know, shape, form, or manner, which I think is really quite interesting because Picasso, his, you know, people say I have a really long, I have a really long name because I have four, four words in my name. Picasso had twenty-five words in his name. Meaning, and the last last word or the word in his last name, which is considered to be the surname, Picasso, is actually his mother's name, not his father's name. So he's taking his mother's last name as his surname, not his father's, which I find that that's interesting in the fact that, I mean, okay, so you're carrying your mother's last name, so you would think that there would be a little more respect towards women, but no, that's, that's not happening. So why is he like he is the way he is? I believe it's because he's, he harbored some kind of grudge against the nursemaid who actually um, helped his birth. When his mother delivered, the midwife thought that he was a stillborn, and so she put him on a countertop or a table or something and walked away and left him there to go and tend to his mother. And when his uncle came into the room, who was actually a doctor, really wasn't concerned of the fact of being a doctor to see if he really was stillborn. He just figured he was dead. Smoking a big old cigar blows the smoke of uh, cigar smoke into his face, and Picasso kind of chokes and starts crying, and lo and behold, he's not a stillborn. He's not dead. Hmm. He's actually alive. So I think that maybe they told him this story, and so he's just (laughs) harboring some ill will to women, and it all stems back to that damn midwife.
1: (laughs) Maybe, because he certainly certainly did have a reputation as a cad with women.
0: (laughs) I mean, he was. He was overly superstitious. He was sarcastic as sin. You know, he was rotten to his children. He was rotten to his wives, his, his girlfriends. And he was just beastly to women. So... You know, and they say you should separate the man from the art, but I say you cannot separate the man from the art. The art is the man, the man is the art. They're one and the same. So his creative genius is somehow warped around the fact that he was just a ass <laughs> to women because he did. He even has. There was even a famous remark about about women that women being either uh, goddesses or doormats. You were one or the other. You were a goddess or you were a doormat. Now, here's the thing. You were a goddess for a while, and then you became a doormat. (laughs) It was one and the same. So there you go. (laughs) I will move on. (laughs) But, you know, later in his life, he did do he did do some pretty amazing things uh after the war in paris he joined uh, a movement a political movement you know that was garnering and posturing peace and he actually created the emblem or the logo for that for that political movement and uh which was a gov he did he soften i don't know but you know, as every person, every person has their good things and they have their bad things. So you just kind of take right. it in, in stride. So if you knew nothing about Picasso, now you know something about Picasso. if you knew something about Picasso, there's my there's my, my rant in my bin on <laughs> 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 Picasso the person. So let's move on to his period. The first period is the blue period. And arguably that's probably the most popular period of all the periods that segmenting his different uh styles into categories or because you know we as people we like to put everything into neat little boxes we have categorized and compartmentalized Picasso's artistic life into periods the blue period the rose period the african period the cubism period the classic and surrealism period you know so there's all these periods uh cubism it's very important in the fact that and we'll get to it. If if you want to go when you want to go chronologically with those periods or do you want to jump around?
1: Oh, uh, let's uh, let's go chronological with the with the periods. So, you want to start with the blue period?
0: Right, because I mean, anything before the blue period is just that would be his schooling, his childhood him just trying to find himself, put himself in some type of uh position in terms of his style and his work. So the explorers, I mean, I think you're, as you're an artist, you're you're always exploring, but, I mean, really there was no consistency at that point because he was still growing and learning. So cool. the Blue Period is really the first period. And the Blue Period was from 1900 to 1904. And basically, hence the name Blue Period, most of the work generated during this time had was either blue or bluish-green in color. As the majority or primary color in, in the art piece, or the entire would be just shades of blue or shades of blue green or a combination of both. To spend four years with uh, one color. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? Uh,
1: uh, I think he must have been very blue. <laughs> <laughs> You know i I've read I think that actually kind of was somewhat true uh, very a very sober period He came from a middle class family, and this was kind of his first awakening to poverty.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: think that that did you know have a huge influence on him and, and therefore into his paintings uh, as maybe he, his eyes were open for the first time to the world around him.
0: Well, and I have to admit, you know, although this is probably, I mean, arguably this is his most famous collection. The four years that, embodied the, that embodies the work, truly, they're his most widely appealed pieces. Even though the Cubism pieces and the Surrealism pieces are quite popular and people automatically, when they think of uh, Pablo Picasso, they think of pieces from those particular styles, but in terms of just mass appeal, sales, that type of thing, you know, writings, the blue period is the most popular, the most famous. And in that blue period, I have to admit there's one in particular that I really did like, and there's just something about it. It's called Breakfast of a Blind Man, and he and Picasso created this in 1903. And there's just really something gentle about the whole piece. And so when you know, you heard me ranting and raving about you know what a, what an ass he was, and what a cad he was. Mm-hmm. But then he paints something so, you know, genteel, and so something so sympathetic, empathetic. It's not so no sorry for this man. You just you feel at peace with this man. I mean, it's, it's almost as if he's found uh, the yogi position or something. He's found inner. Solitude, because it, it comes across. I mean, it's not it's not sad. Although it's a blue period, the piece isn't sad. It's peaceful. And I, I just think that uh, it's not a very popular piece, but it is a beautiful piece.
1: He, he did uh, several paintings. Uh, the Frugal Repast was another one that he did uh, kind of in that same thing. Certainly a time, I believe, in his life where... You know, he was kind of awakening to the surrounding world that that he was in, and realizing that many people didn't have some of the benefits that that he that he was receiving. Some of his work is very interesting. That not my favorite period, but I do do think that I agree. Certainly, those are some of the most um, sold. Uh, For some of the greatest amount of money are the the pieces from that period.
0: Now, see, I would think that you would like the blue turtle, and that blue is your favorite color.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I do like blue, but uh, a lot of blue is a little too
0: much. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 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 So then we have the rose period, which was uh, just really a few years. Uh, not as long in length of time as the blue period time frame, 1904 to 1906, where he did everything in orange and in pink. And basically, going back to your theme, is that the common thought is that during these years he was very happy and he was in a he was in a, a relationship and the relationship was going extremely well everything was bright and cheery and orange and pink and rosebuds and all kinds of crazy things and then during this period he um reintroduced circus performers and clowns and harlequins which he had painted a lot of in his earlier days in his youth so he brought a lot of these images back from his youth into this period which I thought was uh, quite interesting,
1: yeah, no, it is interesting how he did kind of he went back, if you will in not in his artwork per se, but went back to some of the things that he had done early and readapted them into this the the artwork of that time in the rose period, and yes, uh good point there was this period was influenced greatly by a woman, so he was happy.
0: <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, the one uh, uh, piece that he did, a composition with a skull, and you're like, ooh, with a skull. But even the skull doesn't look scary or gruesome. It almost looks like it's part of a Halloween costume almost. But all the images, there's a lot of pink, there's a lot of orange, there's a lot of gold, there's a lot of, you know, bright colors. Really, it's just a whimsical piece. And and I think that's really kind of indicative of uh, that particular period. But as I said earlier, this was not a – I mean, although there were some amazing pieces that were created during this period, it really wasn't one of um, the more um, uh, popular periods in his art in terms of sales and popularity and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But the one thing that you have to say that during this period, though, uh, during the Rose period – Uh, Pablo Picasso would, for the first time, start developing stylistic means that would become synonymous with the Picasso style. So, I mean, you start to see uh, snippets that Picasso will become uh, to be recognized for. This rose period actually is a very important period in the fact that it will influence the late 20th century art In the 21st century art. We just don't know it at this point. (laughs) Not very popular, but very influential and very important.
1: Well, and that continued on during the African influence period as well. You start to see in his art of that period a lot of the Cubism art that would come out in just a few years later.
0: Yeah, and the African period is also known as the Black Period, and which what is interesting is that he fell into this um because he came into possession of an ancient Liberian sculpture that he got from an acquaintance who had stolen it from the Louvre Museum in Paris, <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the Louvre
0: clearly didn't have the type of security then that it has now so when he as a muse, he certainly most definitely changed the faces of the women in the sculpture in his paintings so that it would never reflect back that he somehow came in contact with the stolen sculptures.
1: I did not know that story.
0: Yeah, it's actually pretty funny. So yeah, so the the African period is also known as the Black Period. Um there are a lot of historians Who aren't particularly thrilled That people like Andre Matisse uh, Pablo Picasso And of course artists that came after them Who have this Homage Or throwback To the African art form And you can even say this in music Not necessarily that's African But it's that southern black Gospel type music And you know Elvis was huge in mimicking yeah. that that black southern gospel type music. And he became super wealthy you know, off of this off of mimicking this style. But yet the originators and uh and the protectors of this style of music and let's go back to art and the style of this art, African art, they do not make any money off of their art. So there's just there really there's a dichotomy there. There's an injustice there. I don't know. I'm just making a comment. (laughs) I don't know where I'm going with it, just making a statement.
1: (laughs) Well, that is an interesting, certainly early rock and roll of the 60s was heavily influenced by the rhythm and blues and the jazz. That is true. Certainly that had an impact, and with Picasso's work, uh, it had the same impact. And, mm-hmm. i say then this is where you know you really start to see the development of the cubism in his paintings.
0: Well, it's not just the cubism in his paintings that go back to the African period. It is the disjointed, discombubil- uh, discombubulated figure and disproportionate uh, things didn't have to be in, in proportion where. Right. Uh, in the Renaissance period, everything was very li- everything was a very likeness. In the classical period, everything is very, it's likeness. It's about likeness. It's about being as real as possible. And really, and even in the Impressionism period, even though it was blurred, it was an impression, it still was very real in terms of its proportions. African art doesn't have any, I mean, yes, there plenty of African art that has the correct proportions and stylized and so on and so forth. But they broke the rules because they didn't know the rules. <laughs> yeah. You know, Pablo Picasso is going to take this African art and it's going to become a cornerstone along with some of the styles and techniques from the Rose period that is going to become synonymous with Picasso. And if he hadn't stumbled across this African art, would he be as popular as he is today? Would he have been as important as he is today? Because, I mean, mean, the African period was a very influential period, very influential on all of his future work to his death. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was. And, yeah, I'm not, you know, beating a drum, but I'm just saying that, again, the the few gain success off the many. Uh, This is another... Example of that. Now I'm not a you know socialist or anything like that. I'm just making a statement. (laughs) Maybe it's time for me to go to bed. (laughs) Well,
1: funny you use the term socialist. Since Picasso was a card carrying member of the Communist Party, he was socialist.
0: Let's so, say, maybe there is something there,
1: and he felt guilty about it. Not, <laughs> I don't
0: know, <laughs> and you know. And, you know, going back to his political roots, when uh, the Nazis were invading uh, Europe, he was in Paris. They thought that his art was uh, vulgar and trash. But because, even, you know, because really coming out of the gate, Picasso just seemed to be famous. Coming out of, I mean, there was this really hardly any lull time but because of his, you know, sheer magnitude of popularity, they really were kind of forced to just leave him alone. So he managed to survive and live a very, you know, wonderful life during a very awful period of time when even the richest people were suffering.
1: That was an interesting uh, little story in getting ready for the show that I came across and I never heard that before, but you're right, he was in Paris uh, during the, the German occupation, but he still got his bronze through the French resistance. <laughs> so they're fighting the Germans all, but we got to get some bronze to Picasso. you know, working. <laughs>
0: yeah, stop the fighting. Stop the fighting. We, we, need, yeah. we, need, we, need, to, we need to take care of Picasso. <laughs> <laughs> Because we are, because Lord knows he acts like a spoiled brat. (laughs) You would think he was a boy child. I
1: I also didn't realize he also wrote a lot of poetry this uh, during this time. Mm -hmm. I guess it was almost three hundred pieces of poetry he wrote from nineteen forty one to nineteen
0: forty five. I have to say that I do understand be so prolific in writing. We're up until this point. We really looked at him. Purely as just an artist. And and I'm sure that he dabbled with writing along the way because typically if you're a creative person, you have two talents. You have or two gifts. You have the one the the super the super user one. So if you're uh an actress, that's your, that's your first one. And then your second you know, gifts could be music. It could be writing, poetry, or stories. It could be drawing. So that's why it's not uncommon to see actresses who go and dabble in, in acting, or actors who go and dabble in music. Or you, know, you see a lot of actors who dabble in painting. Although I don't like it, <laughs> 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 uh, I have enough competition out there. I don't need some actor. <laughs> So stealing my job. <laughs> but it's not uncommon. And I can see how all of a sudden he could just out of the blue just write
1: 300 or create 300
0: pieces of uh, writing, be it art or short stories. Because I've had moments in my life where for a year or two years just hardly painted anything, but I was writing like there was no tomorrow. Short stories, uh, movie scripts. You know, hundreds of poems. So I can definitely see that, definitely. So we digress. So going back to, or, or uh, summing up uh, his uh, black period or his African uh, period, the one piece that I just wanted to throw out there called uh, "Dryad." I just think is absolutely gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous, and he did that in the height of his uh, black period. It's called. Dryad D R Y A D amazing piece it's gorgeous and you know again not one of his more popular uh periods but definitely important so important because this period not only influences his the rest of his career but then it goes on to influence all the artists coming after him it's just like in music the who copying the uh American uh black Southern music mm-hmm. and they made it cool, and everybody in London started doing it because they made it cool, and that's what Picasso did. He made African art cool
1: well, this is a good place. Let's also uh, take a quick commercial break, Sharon, if you'll just hang on for a moment no. your mind or. <laughs> I'd like to remind our listeners that uh, What is Art is presented by Contemporary Art Gallery Online, and you can view and purchase fine works of contemporary art by just going to Contemporary Art Gallery Online. Uh, Contemporary Art Gallery Online is the number one source for showcasing tomorrow's art giants today, and if you're an artist looking for gallery representation, please visit us at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com and click on the membership tab and follow the prompts. If you're a designer, architect, or volume purchaser, again, please visit us at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com and complete the volume purchaser request form. Again, to view some great and stunning contemporary artwork and re-listen to this interview and, of course, purchase some art, please visit ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com. Well, the African influence period, Sharon, leads us into Cubism.
0: Yeah, you've been biting at the bit to get here.
1: <laughs> uh, that's my favorite part of Picasso. This is when I think of Picasso. This is what I think of.
0: Well, okay. Bring it. Bring it on.
1: <laughs> well, I think it's the colors. Um, you know, this was a period certainly where he used even in his African period, he kind of only stuck with two, maybe three colors in a lot of his art. Not all, but in a lot. Uh, but during the Cubism, certainly he, it was the colors reshaping, and, and it's not the real into the surreal, if you will.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Him and his buddy, George Braque or Brock Hay, moved really, and during this Cubism uh, moment in time, they really started to move the movement towards an abstraction, leaving, you know, just enough of the real world to supply the tension between the reality of the world, of the outside world, with the painting, you know, that, that merging the two, merging that, that imagination, that abstraction, but leaving just enough so that you know what it is, but <laughs> it's making you think, and you're not sure if you like it or not, but you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna sit there and look at it for a while you're gonna study it. And it's unnerving. And it was very unnerving to people during the time because this is just what in the world is this? <laughs> you know, they <laughs> thought they had those crazy impressionists, you know, a couple of decades back. Now look what we got. <laughs> What's going on here? And yeah. uh you know although he's considered to be the, you know one of the, the the driving forces and founders of cubism which was you know roughly through the years of like 1909 to 1912 um, he quickly left his own movement and kept moving on to something else i mean <laughs> i mean cuz it, it, there was a sch- there was a schism uh and, you know two branches came out of this move out of the original Cubist movement, which, of course, was to break things down into some kind of, which you had said earlier, into uh, shapes of some sort. There was one called the synthetic Cubism, and then there was the analytic Cubist movement. And the analytic Cubist analyzed the natural forms and reduced the forms into basic geometric parts on you know, the two dimensional picture plane for sort of space right? so I mean they'll tilt it, flip it around, but you know it's 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 all boiled down to its geometric shapes. color was almost non existent except for the use of a monochronomic uh, monochromatic scheme uh often which included gray, blue, or ochre uh, instead of an emphasis on color. And a lot of cubists focused on forms, like you said, cylinders, spheres, and the such. And that's where Picasso had moved to. That's not really what he wanted. So he merged on and moved his movement towards an abstraction-type movement, which, again, now we're starting to, you know, that you have your African form in here, you have a lot of the styles that he developed during the Rose period, and he's merging them all into this cubic-type moment. So I thought that uh, at this point he's really coming into his own, and and he just runs with it. And, and he produced a ton of work during this period of time. And the basic footprint of this model will continue on in and out of his life to the end of his life. I mean, he'll move on and he'll do other things, but he's going to come back to this, and he's going to come back to it, and he's going to come back to it again, and he's going to come back to it one more time.
1: Well, and the other part that I like at this time is the collage that they introduced or he introduced in, into the into that art. Which I thought was very interesting, using portions of newspaper pages or wallpaper, pasting these into the compositions.
0: hmm Yeah, I agree. People always ask me, you know, what, you know, who's your favorite artist? Blah, blah blah blah. And you know, and I never ever say Picasso. <laughs> never do I ever say. That. I don't. I just don't. And 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 I'm usually the first one that will you know raise the flag and say actually I don't think Picasso is all that great, and I do say that just for effect because deep down inside I know that Picasso really, you know, has left an indelible mark on the you know I hate to use the word but on the artist industry because <laughs> yeah. I don't really think we're an industry but for lack of a better term on the reality of artists, I mean, he's definitely one of the painters that you study through art school in great detail, and rightfully so. To me, you know, here's the thing. I don't know if he would have been so influential and such a staple in the art industry if he had died much younger No, I think
1: you're right. I think that one of, certainly you mentioned earlier, he's by far the most successful artist of any time. If you want to look at, in his lifetime, the the amount of money that his paintings were bringing, and not only his paintings, his sculpture and, and his other art, um, I mean, the and man he was, was reproducing making some very, very good money. Yes, and reproducing. <laughs> yes, yeah. he he was one of the first early businessmen, and uh, I, I, we we spoke about Andy Warhol a few weeks ago. I, I, Andy must have taken some notes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he took a big old page out of Pablo's book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah a, a big old page, and, and you know, but he had a long life. In yeah. and, and which to create a lot of work, and by no means was this man stupid, and by no means I, it, he he was an artist at heart absolutely, but he was also a businessman, much like Andy Warhol. Andy Warhol took a big old page out of Pablo's book. He was a businessman, and he knew how to manipulate the, the surroundings, the surroundings, and manipulate the. Whatever it was that was in front of him, to his advantage, and he did it, and he sold a lot of work a lot of work so my My point is, if he had died when most people born in the time frame that he was born people didn't live very long, they lived to what thirty forty fifty no no, no more
1: probably life expectancy. In 1881 was was probably 55, 60, somewhere in that neighborhood.
0: No, but I think you're talking United States expectancy. I think that. Well,
1: that's true. Spain might have been a lot less than that.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I just think that the people in his time frame probably lived to be, okay, let's say 50. And I think that's probably a reasonable and rational age to to say 50. Okay, that's not 91.
1: <laughs> right. Well, and he, but not only did he live that long life. I mean, up until maybe the last few years of his life, the man was cranking out art. I mean, sometimes huge amounts of art. And unlike Andy Warhol, for the most part, I, he was doing it himself. He didn't have a stable of artists working for him.
0: Right. I, and I agree with that. I agree with that. But he, but he also understood the power of mass reproduction and he, didn't. Right. he did. And he I was mass produ- and, and he was mass producing himself early on. And I just think that if he had died and you know this is a horrible thing to say but if he had died at 50 versus 91, you know, half of his work would have not been would not have been created, granted. Right. And so, you know, but let's, but he had, he had produced a lot of excellent work up until that point, work that by itself could have stood the test of time without the last 41 years. Think about it. I mean, the, the blue period, the rose period, the African period, the black period, that was all before 50. So, I mean, right. he had enough substantial work that w- would have it would have stood the test of time. The question is, would he be the powerhouse? on the art world that he is today, and I think not, and I think not because it was the last 41 years of his life where there was more of a media, newspaper, however you're, you know, circulating messages, global economy was probably not a tag word at the time, but it was happening, and he was selling his work everywhere,
1: well, and I that's that's very true. And again, I certainly in that last forty one years, I mean basically if you take that period, let's say, from the end of World War two, so nineteen forty five until until his death, uh, which may well okay, or say nineteen fifty until his death, you know, the biggest change probably economically or the change society they went through was, you know, this is really the advent of the information age and, and this whole global globalism, if you will, of world's economy, somewhat brought on by World War II and then the the influence that uh, the victor victoring countries were having uh, in redefining Europe and Germany and Japan. But then you had television. Television, I think, has a lot. We had radio, but radio wasn't connecting the people worldwide as television did, where you could see people in Russia or in London or in Paris, and you're in Des Moines, Iowa. And, my God, these people look a lot like you. Some things are quite different, and other things, they do the same. And and I think this whole awakening of the world that, Yes, we're different, but we're not all that much different. Certainly is a stage for people like Pablo Picasso to, to really grow his art as far as getting more people to, to view his art and see his art and appreciate his art and for him to market his art.
0: And right. That became
1: big thing. And it is that time frame where he really just takes off as far as as the business side of his art um, really takes off probably from 1950 on until, until he's passing and, and continuing to this day. But that's, he was popular in France, Europe, let's say, prior to 1950. But 1950 on, he really was one of the very first artists that was popular globally.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and and because he was a funny guy, you know, he didn't take, I mean, the fame, he was already an arrogant cuss before he ever became super famous. He was born that way. You know, they said that the rumor is that the first word out of his mouth was peas, which means pencil. That was the first right. word that he spoke. Yeah. So, you know, which, you know, kind of like the later the foundation of what was going to happen. And he was an arrogant cuss probably from nine when he did his first, you know, great piece of work. And so the the the, the fame and the fortune just kind of fueled that arrogance, there's no doubt. But he didn't – but he wasn't a globetrotter. Salvador Dali is clicking all over the globe during his high point to the point where now, and I think we've said this before – There are several of his works that are in question if he even did them because, you know, how can you be doing them when you're in Vegas? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) So even through, I mean, and, and this is where I think that it's really quite amazing that he truly was married to the art. He truly was married to the art because he had every opportunity to trip around the globe like Salvador Dali, like Andy Warhol. Of course, you know, Salvador Dali was his contemporary uh, Andy right. Warhol was not, but right the but the point is there. he could have done that, and he really didn't. And I'm not saying he didn't go places, but he wasn't uh the, the party animal, he was really married to his art, and that's why he just produced so much i mean he lived he lived to get up and, and paint or sculpt or draw or whatever it is that he was going to do and you know'cause I know that we're running out of time, and I just you know one of his. My favorite quote that uh, he said was Bad artists copy, good artists steal. <laughs> 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 I <was> like, okay. <laughs> Got it. Duly Got noted. it yeah. And he did. He stole a lot, let me tell you. He stole from the African artists. I mean, he stole a lot. So, yes, indeed.
1: Well, in my favorite Picasso saying is, "Art is a lie that makes us realize the truth."
0: Oh, that's a good one. I like mine better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, in Picasso, I had this to say. Well, we, oh, this quote from Picasso from uh, Salvador Dali. I mean, regarding Picasso, is says, "Picasso is a painter, so am I. Picasso is a Spaniard, so am I. Picasso is a communist." Neither am I
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sharon I've really enjoyed our discussion Tonight of uh, Pablo Picasso Thank you for being with me Tonight
0: Oh no problem No problem at all um, anytime, anytime If I'm not stealing art I will be on uh, blog talk radio Having a conversation with you <laughs> Just don't get
1: caught stealing that art I'll be sure to
0: keep the lube off of my left
1: I also want to thank our listeners for being with us tonight And again to view some stunning contemporary art And to re-listen to this interview And of course purchase some art Please visit us at contemporaryartgalleryonline.com I would like to inform everyone that Contemporary Art Gallery Online has launched a monthly art competition. And to compete, go to ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com and click on the Artist Competition tab for additional information. And if you're an artist looking for gallery representation, please visit us at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com and click on the Membership tab and follow the prompts. If you're a designer architect or volume purchaser again please visit us at contemporaryartgalleryonline.com and complete the volume purchaser's request form our art currently airs every wednesday evening at 7:30 so we'll meet again next wednesday and have a good evening